Good morning, church. This morning's scripture is Romans 12, 9 through 13, which is page 948 in the Pew Bibles. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. This is the word of God. Good morning, church. I'm really honored that you guys allow me to keep coming up here presenting God's word. I just want to start off by saying I love you. And all of your elders of this church, they love you as well. And we're proud of you. If you're new here, we've been in a summer series titled One Another. We have been looking at a few commands of how we relate to one another as Christians and as the body of Christ, how we should live as family within the church and outside in the world. Um, We also have a pretty cool art project out in the foyer. And if you noticed, it's, it's growing, it's flourishing. And it reminds us of how we are growing and flourishing when we are together. Just out of curiosity, can you raise your hand if you became a member of Grace Baptist Church in the last year? In the last year. Okay. If you have became a member of Grace Baptist Church from from two to 10 years, can you raise your hand? from 11 to 20 years. From 21 to 30 years. Okay, okay. For 31 to 40 years. Okay. If you've been at Grace Baptist Church for the last 50 years, can you raise your hand? Wow. Well, praise the Lord. Let me ask you all, who have you gotten to know thus far at Grace Baptist Church? And what I mean by that is like, who have you truly gotten to know? Who knows you from the very core of your soul? See, one of the questions we ask when a a new member comes and they're seeking to become a member of this church is, who have you gotten to know so far? And the reason why we ask this question is because we want to gauge who this person is connected with. Because, Because who that person is engaging with is who is going to be discipling this person. 
Let me ask you another question. If you haven't known about it, I love questions. <laughs> Who is responsible for the sanctification or the spiritual growth of the members here at Grace Baptist Church? So if you have said your pastors, you're almost right. All right? It's, it's all of us, isn't it? We're all responsible for each other's spiritual growth and maturity. Gathering here every day, not every day, every Sunday, right? We are committed to doing that. See, when you become a member of Grace Baptist Church, you sign a covenant, don't you? And that covenant says that I agree to come here regularly and consistently, to give cheerfully and regularly, to seek in genuinely community, to faithful prayer for the work of this church, serving this church using your gifts and your passions, submitting to the leadership of this church, and, and exercising your Christian liberty so that you're not a stumbling block to other Christians. That's what you have recognized in the, in the word of God and what God has made you to, 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 who empowers you to do through his spirit that you're committed to each other in doing. This is why we spent a whole summer preaching through the one another's of scripture. Where we learn what it means to, to love and to welcome and to teach and to be kind and today to show honor to one another. Today's sermon it's titled, Honor One Another. And we're going to be focusing on verses 9 and 10. See, what if Grace Baptist Church was a place known for giving honor and receiving honor? A place where we don't just, we don't just tolerate each other, but we genuinely do what is best for each other. Today we'll be looking at four brief lessons on how we can show honor to one another. Lesson number one. Genuine love will show honor. See, Paul starts off Romans chapter 12 by telling us who we are as Christians, reminding us of who we are before we can actually be committed in doing something. So I want you guys to be dependent upon what God has called us to be in Christ and what he has empowered us to do because we have the spirit of Christ inside of us. Take a look at Romans 12, verse 1. It says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. See, Paul tells us that we are people who have been given mercy. You see, the reality of every Christian in this room here and around the world is that we have received mercy from God. What are these mercies? See, Paul spends the first 11 chapters describing these mercies. You have been forgiven of every sin, every sin canceled, past, present, and future. That is a gift of God's grace. This is how God has honored you. Jesus' righteousness, his perfection, was shared with you, imputed to you through faith. 
So when God sees you, he doesn't just see a sinner. He sees someone who's been brought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are righteous not because of how good you are or how smart you are or how beautiful you are, how intelligent you are. You're righteous because Jesus was righteous and you put your faith in him. That's mercy. The Bible, Paul also reminds us that we are dead to sin. That when Jesus died, we were crucified with him. Sin no longer has power over you, Christian. We are conquerors in Christ. The sin that you're struggling with no longer has power over you. You are alive to God. What that means is that you are free. You are free to do good. You are free to do righteousness. Do you believe that today? This is a gift of God's grace. He's a merciful God. We have been brought into a new relationship, a right relationship with God. Let that sink in, that you are right with God. God is not holding anything over your head. If that doesn't get you to shout hallelujah and amen, I don't know what will. You see, yes, we suffer. Yes, we are faced with many trials in this life. But guess what, Christian? You are bound for glory. There will be a day when you get to see your precious Savior face to face. And he won't remember your sins no more. You have been judged by the cross. Jesus took your punishment. See, he who began a good work in you is going to bring it to completion until the very day of Jesus Christ. Every promise in Jesus is yes and amen. You see, we have the unfailing, never-ending, giving up. God's love will never give up on us. Listen, you may not feel like the greatest Christian in the world today, but guess what? God's grace abounds. Your name is written in heaven. You are seated in the right hand of God on, his, on the throne. There will be a day when you'll be fully glorified in new bodies. Beautiful, no blemish, no wrinkles, no spots. Excellent. That is God's mercy for you. This is your reality, Christian. What if we, what if we begin today to start seeing each other through the, the lenses of God's mercy? That's honor. It's, it's only by the genuine grace and mercy of God that you have been saved. It's a genuine gift of honor. You see, this is how we can present our bodies as Paul is, is directing us. He's, he's calling us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Before we can present, we have to know, we have to trust, we have to depend upon the mercies of God. You see, if you're here and you're not a Christian, let me tell you that you cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot be made right by your good works. The only way that you can be right with God is by looking to Jesus and by putting your faith in him, to rely upon him. 
And then he gives you these beautiful promises that your sins will be forgiven, that you will have a new heart and and in a right relationship with God. And he changes your identity completely, doesn't he? We are new creations. We are children of God. We are the very bride of Christ. So will you do that today? Will you turn away from your sin and put your trust in him? Notice in verse 9, Paul says, let love be genuine. That word genuine, Paul is teaching us what love looks like. It's not hypocritical. It doesn't have two faces. It's not you act one way at work and another way at church. It's pure. It's not deceitful. It's not fake. It's sincere. The Greek word here for love is agape. Agape means sacrificial love. Love that is willing to die for someone else. It's a love that not only says I love you to death, it proves it through his actions. That's the kind of love that God has shown us. It's genuine. It's pure. To agape is to seek the well-being of others, even if they never pay you back. It's a love that honors others through not only words, but actions. Here's a definition of honor. Honor is to demonstrate high respect or great esteem for someone. By honoring someone, you're saying you see great value in them. This is the honor we see at the cross. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing more genuine and honorable than what Jesus has done for you on Calvary. The only thing that we can grasp to prove our value and our worth is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's not your church attendance. It's not your likes on Facebook. It's not receiving the employee of the month. It's not being praised and honored by man. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the precious blood of him that was poured out for you. You see, if you want to know, if you want to know if your love is genuine for someone else, you ask yourself this, does my love look like the cross? Is it agape? Is it sacrificial? Is it elevating someone above yourself? Is it preferring someone else's advancement in life? See, Paul says this in in uh, chapter 12, verse 2. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That you may test You may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, the work we are called to do as Christians, it involves us to trust in the genuine honor and love of God. This is the only way that our minds can be renewed. This is the only way that we can think beyond this world that says that, man, you got to avenge yourself. You got to seek your own honor. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ frees us 
because we're loved, we're honored, we can go and love and honor others. Lesson number two, genuine love and honor discerns the good and evil of others. Take a look at verse nine again. It says, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. You see, we shouldn't be surprised with what comes right after the command to love genuinely. Paul directs us to abhor what is evil and to cling, to hold fast to what is good. You see, genuine love is not blind. Genuine love is not ignoring other people's wrong, or their bad attitudes, or their sinful behavior. It's not pretending not to see what is evil in each other. Genuine love does not turn the cold shoulder to our dangerous attitudes. See, church, this is hypocrisy. Agape love hates sin and holds fast to what is good. Isn't this how Jesus loved us? The agape love of God abhors evil and clings to what is good at the cross. See, at the cross, Jesus eradicate, eradicated every sin in your life. He died to free us from the very power of sin. He rose again to put a new heart within you empowering you to do good, motivating you, compelling you to genuinely love and honor others by hating what is evil and clinging to what is good. If we're honest as Christians, this is the most difficult or, or the deepest struggle that we have as Christians. How do we deal with the sin and bad behavior of each other? See, our love for others falls short of agape love, doesn't it? See, our love proves to be selfish when we make excuses for other people's sin. We say things like, my wife has been stressed out all day at work. It's okay that she verbally abuses me. My friend didn't study for the test. It's okay for me to slide the mind so they can cheat. My sex drive is low. It's okay that my, my husband watches porn. Guys, this is evil. Agape love, genuine love calls what is evil, evil. But if we want to honor each other with genuine love, we should fight to get rid of the evil in each other. With grace, with justice, with truth, with forgiveness. Through sharing these struggles with other mature believers by meeting with one of your pastors for counseling, by joining a small group, becoming a small group leader. Showing honor to one another is to do what is best for each other, not what makes others happy. If your child is whining and, and just destroying things around the house because they want candy, it's not honorable to give them the candy. Instead, we should celebrate when they are sharing. We should celebrate when they are actually taking care of the home. We should cling to the good that we see in our children. You see, if we're afraid of losing someone else's love, 
you are in danger of not truly loving them genuinely. You will fear confrontation. You will be tempted to excuse their evil and fail to help them grow and mature in Jesus Christ. We will be neglecting what God is calling us to do and building each other up. See, brothers and sisters, the, let the fact of knowing that God will never <laughs> reject you, that you can never lose his love, let that fact free you, free you to be confrontational. Let that love not only free you to confront sin, but let it free you to confess sin. Let it free you to, when was the last time you invited someone else into your evil, into your mess, into your sin? When the last time you said, hey, sister, this is what I'm struggling with. Hey, brother, this is, this is what's going on in my soul. It's easier to pretend, church. It's easy to come in here with a mask and, and act like everything's okay. It's easy to pretend that, oh, I'm just a jolly Christian. I'm good. When someone asks you, how you doing? You're not, yeah, I'm good, brother. I'm good. Invite others into your mess, into your soul, so that way we can honor you by, by clinging to what is good. I understand this is extremely hard. This is why we must hold fast to what is good. We have to cling ourselves to what is good in others and bring that good out. This is, this is what genuine love and honor looks like. It's find the good in each other and, and like it, love it, and celebrate it. Agape love causes us to check our own hearts. Do you abhor the sin in your own heart, in your own soul? Or, 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 or outwardly, do you, check your heart. Do you abhor the person or do you abhor their sin? When was the last time you honored a church member? How about a coworker? Guys, did you, did you know that it's okay to praise others? It's okay. Let me be clear. I'm not talking about flatter. We are all very good at flattery. A, a pastor, Isaac Adams, he, he told me this. He said, flattery is someone, something that you would say in someone's face, but you won't say it behind their back. And gossip is something that you would say behind someone's back that you won't say in their face. Guys, let's abhorred flattery. Let's, let's abhor gossip. Let us hold fast to what is good. Let's get rid of it. You see, the lesson three, we honor one another because we are more than friends. We are family. Take a look at verse 10. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Paul has just done something that has not been done in all of Scripture. In this command to love one another, he gives us two more Greek words. He gives us phileo, which means brotherly love, and storgi, which means this affectionate type of love. Storgi love, so these two loves are, are, are almost a demonstration of agape. 
Storge love is, is a natural love like a parent has for their children. It's a feeling that you get that, that generates naturally in your heart for the people that you're close to. The people that you love. It's the feeling when I get when I drive home and I pull up, and not even five seconds, my little girl just runs outside. She just skips her way to me and I just embrace her in my arms. Just gives me a reason to get out the car, right? That's that storgy love. It's the feeling that you get when you, when, you, when you hear the very laughs of your family, the very cries of your family, when you embrace those hugs as a family. It's a, love, it's a family love. Phileo is a friendship kind of love. It's when you're with your guys, you're with the homies, or you're with your girlfriends, and you're kicking it. It's a, it's a mutual trust. It's saying, I mutually trust you. We're on the same journey together. We are sharing the same vision, camaraderie. See, here in Romans 12.10, this is what Paul's doing. He's, he has combined these two words to describe how we are to love one another with brotherly affection. We are called to live like friends and like family. Let me ask you, what are you actively doing to get to know the members of Grace Baptist Church? Who here would you call your friend? Who is that one person you know that when you come through these doors, you can give a big old hug to. Who here can you go to to put your head on their shoulder to cry because the, the trials and the suffering of life just weighs you down? You see, the truth is this type of affection should mark every Christian on the planet, no matter how introverted or extroverted you are. No matter if you grew up in a home where you didn't hug or talk about your feelings, the truth is we all need to be known and to be cared for. You see, our very homes should be the very training grounds where we learn how to do this. That we can share affection with the people of this church. See, why come to church? Why, I, this is, I'm talking to you who are, you, you, you're physically okay and you can come to church and you're, and you're fine. Why, why come? to learn tenderheartedness, to express love through, through word and deed. See, if you're, if you're visiting, if you've been visiting for a while, why come next week to the new members class? Because you need to be known and to be cared for. Let me challenge you to find one person this week to, that you can invest in spiritually, to meet with that one to do one-on-one -on -one discipleship, to, to read the word together. If you're an older saint, let me ask you to find someone younger and ask them, how are you doing spiritually? And ask them, how can I, how, what can I do to invest in you spiritually? And if you're younger here in this church, let me, let me ask you to boldly go up to someone, someone older and say, will you disciple me? Will you disciple me? Guys, this is not awkward. 
It's not awkward to go up to someone you don't know here at this church. You see, everyone here, Christian or non-Christian, we are friends in need of a savior. That savior can turn our friendship into something way bigger, into a family. The amazing thing is, you guys, you guys are already doing this. I hear stories of you writing cards to each other, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice. Let's not be slothful in our zeal. There's still room to, be, to, be, to be grow, isn't it? See, this is the place where we learn to show that brotherly affection. This is where we master tenderness. This is where we love by doing for and being with. Church, don't underestimate a kind gesture of writing a card or, or to, when you come in here telling someone that, hey, I'm glad to see you. I care about you. I'm, I'm actually very sorry that you're going through that. I'll get this. Can I pray for you right now? Guys, that is honor. That is showing genuine love and affection for each other. See, those words honor to hear. You see, in Christian community, we can love in the same way we are being loved by God. Do you believe this? Do you believe that we're just not familiar faces? That we're family? Lesson four, take delight in going out of your way to honor others. Romans 12, 10b says this, outdo one another in showing honor. The word for outdo means to go first, to take the lead, to go before. Let the genuine love of Christ compel you to count more, to count others more significant than yourself. It's not seeing ourselves as less than others. Because we got to remember that we're in Christ. Remember those promises I said that we have? That all of our sins are forgiven, that we have a new heart and a relationship with God? The new identity that we have, of being new creations, of being uh, children of God, and the very bride of Christ, we share that reality. We share that identity. We have all received the same mercy, the same spirit. See, this frees us to promote each other in Christ, doesn't it? See, get rid of the notion that, you, that if you keep honoring your pastors, they become prideful. See, there are clear commands in Scripture that says that we shall honor our pastors. Peter says to honor them with double honor. Paul wrote, wrote to the, the, the church in Philippi and said this. He says, show, he calls us to show honor to such men. And these such men is Epaphroditus. And what kind of man was Epaphroditus? He showed the very love of Jesus Christ. Guys, it's an honor and a privilege to, to, to be here on staff. I get to work alongside some very godly and gifted brothers. And that is an honor. That is by the very grace of God that you guys, I can stand up here and say that you guys have men that love their families, that love this church, and wants the best for this church. 
We honor our pastors for the sake of Christ. Children, if you're still listening to me, or anyone who has parents here, you are called to honor your father and mother. To care for them, to esteem them, to respect them, to listen to them. When was the last time you called your mom and said, hey, mom, I'm proud of you? Hey, dad, I respect you. Will you do that today? Love expresses itself in showing honor. Love will always shine the light on others and not on the self. See, God is a trinity. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And within himself, he's a community of honor. The Father is honoring the Son and, and, and honoring the Spirit. And the Son is honoring the Father and honoring the Spirit. And the Spirit is honoring the Father and the Son. This, it's just this beautiful honor dance that they just want the best for each other. That's who we image. See, God is not an egomaniac. He's not looking down on us, demanding us to honor him. He already has it. He is fully honored within himself. All glory belongs to God. And God shares that glory and honor with us that we may share it with each other. Remember, honor means to value. This is how we love genuinely, is by valuing each other. It's by delighting and valuing each other. Let me ask you, does God value every single person in this building? Absolutely. Christian or non-Christian? Because we are created in the image of God, Imago Dei. Does God delight in honoring good for every Christian in this room? Does he delight in doing good for everyone in this room? Yes, he does. Not because of how awesome we are, how talented we are, but because of Christ in us. And this is how we should honor one another. Church, when you, when you honor someone in this building, you are honoring Jesus. You see, it's not for the things of this world, like our beauty and our strength and our intelligence and our bank accounts and our fancy cars. Those things are pretty cool. But guess what? One day those things are going to fade away. You know it's going to last forever? The Christ inside of us. You see, we honor each other for the sake of Christ. We honor the Jesus within every believer. You see, in Christ, we can give honor to those who don't deserve it. Because guess what? God has given you honor that you don't deserve. This is why it's called genuine. It's not hypocrisy. It's not fake. This is how people are built up. And believe it or not, this is how we gain strength. This is how we gain confidence. This is how uh, uh, we are restored emotionally. This is how you find strength to carry on. You see, showing honor is this. Showing honor is Emily Kendall, my first time teaching to the high school youth group eight years ago. Right after, she came up to me and said, hey, brother, God is going to use you. I don't even know what I talked about. <laughs> but guess what? She gave me strength to keep going. She's showing honor is, is three sisters of this church. When I came back from my internship in D.C., they wrote me letters welcoming me back to this church. 
And I just, I just felt so loved and just ready to shepherd. That's what we need. You see, God honors us through each other. He affirms us as we affirm each other. And he'll affirm you when he, as he sees fit. You see, the demonstration of God's genuine love is ultimately the cross. But today and every day of our life, that love is on display by how we love and honor each other. This is not done by seeing ourselves less than others, but seeing how we are united to Christ. It frees us to promote each other. See, when you're having conversations with other people, is that conversation more about you or about the other person? See, how much of the conversation is being dominated by you? Do you pray that God would make you a better listener? To be able to hear each other's hopes and dreams. You see, the love of Christ enabled us to humbly seek the interests of others instead of our own. You see, church, when we gather in this place, we gather to make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We are not here to put a check on our church attendance. This is what the One Another series is all about. We want to create a culture where it's normal for other Christians to, to care for one another, to love each other, to teach one another, to be kind to one another, and to honor one another. You see, it's for the glory of Christ and for the good of each other. We want that to be ingrained in the very DNA of the fabric of our church. A place where we can call, a place that we receive genuine love and honor. Church, can you imagine? Can you imagine what this place would look like? If we just went around just honoring each other? If all of us were delighted in each other's spiritual growth? receiving honor and giving honor, not pretending, not just tolerating each other, but genuinely preferring the best. See, this place would look like the kingdom of God, wouldn't it? So let's do this with Christ. Let's do this together. Let's pray. Jesus, you pray before you ascending into heaven that, that the Father would glorify you. Jesus, the Father has glorified you. And we are so grateful that you have glorified us. God, you pray that we will be one. Jesus, you pray that we will be truly one. God, we have an evil one who wants to pluck us out of your hand. We have an evil one who wants to kill, steal, and destroy us. That is who we are up against. We're up against the worldly forces, the principalities, the demons of this world. God, we don't raise war against each other. God, help us to abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Help us to honor one another, to value each other as you have valued us. God, we lift our eyes to you because in you we find strength, we find comfort. God, we pray that you would 
that you will empower us to do your will. Empower us to outdo one another, to take the lead, to go first in seeing the Christ in each other. God, we look forward to that day when we get to see you. God, as we approach the table, God, remind us, remind us of what you've done for us at the cross. Remind us how you have, how you have brought us into this family. Remind us of the truths of the gospel. God, help us to examine our hearts, examine the sin in our lives, and abhor it, to hate it. But God, help us to cling to the Jesus in us, the spirit in us, to grow in our unity as a body. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.